0: Finance Smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking when to ask for a promotion and other curious workplace questions with Matt Ritter. And I ask Shauna, should I refinance my student loans again? Your money with Shauna Compton Games. It will expand your brain. I am seriously in love with all of your questions. I get probably 20 to 30 questions a day from all of you who are listening to the podcast. And I can't thank you enough. They're they're awesome. There's a lot of them that make me scratch my head, which is fun for me because it involves a little investigation work. Um, but I like to try and curate to a variety of questions so that we're not answering the same question every single day. So if I don't get to your question, or if I don't write back to you, uh, please know that your question is still in the queue, and I'm definitely going to get to it. And if you have a question for an Ask Shauna segment, there's a link in the show notes. You can head right over. All the questions are confidential. If you want me to change any information at all when I read the question, just let me know. I'm happy to do it. And I never give last names, so you don't have to worry about that. We're just talking First names. Um, so, you know, we can, we can remain a little, uh, a little anonymous here. So the question today is from Nick and Nick says, I've consolidated my $90,000 in student loans with a popular lending agency, SoFi, back in 2013. However, since that time, my credit score has improved tremendously. Is it possible to get a better interest rate on this debt if I reapply to a new company with a now much improved credit score? I'm not sure if this is a thing. Thanks in advance. Great question, Nick. Well, the short answer is yes. You can refinance your loans, your private loans, as many times as you want. But refinancing those private loans many times would only make sense, I really think, if you started with an extremely high interest rate. And, you know, the interest rate environment would need to have changed dramatically over the years that you paid down your debt, too. And I'm not sure that has happened. You know, since 2013 interest rates have only been on the rise so we are in kind of that rising interest rate environment and you know it's uh it's a bit tricky to actually answer this question um because you know the the i guess the million dollar question here is is your credit score so improved that it really would put you in such a lower interest rate where this made sense or is the fact that the interest rates have risen over time, has that kind of negated your bettering your credit score, right? It's it's the scratch-your-head question, the one that I don't have a complete answer to. Uh, a couple other things to think about. You know, you want to be careful about how many times you restart your loan period. So let's say you've already paid off three years with your current refinancing, and then you go to refinance again, the question really is, are you starting over now with a new 10-year period, and does that make sense number-wise? So, you know, you want to look at the difference in interest rate and time to see if this makes sense. And, you know, some people even refinance just a portion of their loans. They don't refinance, again, the whole lot of their loan. I know that seems weird, but this is really, I think, a situational... Uh situation. It's a situational situation. That is not a word or a phrase at all, but I am making it one. So, uh, you know, you, you want to see like, okay, if I restart my loan period, am I going to end up paying so much more money that even if I better my interest rate, it doesn't make sense because over that payoff period, I will have paid off so much extra, um, you know, that that it just doesn't make sense. Rather, it would make sense to stick with the same refinancing that I'm in now, even if it's in a higher interest rate, because if I look at the numbers and I look how it breaks out, I'm going to end up being ahead. I hope that makes sense. It's a little, little tricky way to say it. But, you know, since your credit score has improved, I would suggest looking at some competitors as well to find the best rate. So, of course, You're going to shop with SoFi, see if you can get a better rate. But I'd also look at some of the other uh, student loan refinancing companies that are super competitive right now. We've got Earnest, Common Bond, Lenkey, Citizens Bank. Those are the other competitors that are usually in the same conversation as SoFi. And, you know, you can run a check with these uh, different companies without them Doing a hard pull on your credit. So, when they are just evaluating where they're at, they're gonna do a soft pull on your credit. It's not gonna affect your credit score, but it's gonna give you a feel for where you would be interest rate wise. And, you know, there are differences. A lot of times we think that, you know, if we have one interest rate with one company, it'll be the same across the board. And that's not always the case. So, you know, you want to make sure that you at least do do, do, due diligence. Can't say that word today. Due diligence. That's another tough one, right? And at least look at two other companies. That's kind of my rule is uh, always look at at least two, if not three other companies. When you think about doing anything, when you're looking at you know, financing a new car or when you're looking at a home mortgage or you know, refinancing your student loans, just get a good feel for where you would be because every company uses different factors in their underwriting to come out with a decision. So You know, one company might look at your credit score in, you know, the excellent range and another company might look at it in the good range. So it all depends on what type of business they're looking to acquire as to where you might kind of fall in there. But I definitely start with SoFi first. I'd say like, hey, you know, my credit score is greatly improved. Um, I'm thinking about refinancing these loans elsewhere. Is there anything that you can do here with me to uh, better my interest rates so that I'm, you know, in a lower bracket? Uh, and also, you know, this is just sort of food for thought of those of you that are thinking about refinancing. You know, you can refinance usually with a variable interest rate that is usually going to be a lower interest rate than a fixed rate. But in my personal opinion. Variable rates are scary. They're scary in a rising interest rate environment, which is what we're in right now. Uh, the good part about a rising interest rate environment is that uh, your high yield savings interest is going up, right? So you're earning more on your money. The bad news is things that are tied to, um, you know, the Fed fund rates, like your, you know, if you have a variable mortgage, if you have a variable. Uh, uh, you know, student loan, if you have credit card debt, anything like that, those are rising as well. And not, not in a huge way, you know, it's not like your payment's going to double overnight, but they are increasing. And it's definitely something that you want to pay attention to. So you don't put yourself in a situation where suddenly you thought you were, you know, refinancing these student loans to get yourself in a better position. And then the interest rate just got crazy on you. Hope that makes sense. So Nick, hopefully those are some things for you to just think about. Really look at, you know, the time factor is refinancing and adding more time on your loan. Even if your interest rate is lower, is that saving you money or is that not saving you money? That's really the question that we're looking at. So I'm I'm so over the moon excited about today's episode. You know, you've got those workplace p- questions, right? Like, how do I ask for a raise? That's that's an easy one and yet really hard. Should I quit my job for my side hustle? I get that question a lot. What do I do if my cube mate tells these horrible stories and I can't get my work done? Okay, we've all been there, right? We've all worked in some company or some environment where the person that shares space with us is just... I don't know a better word other than just annoying, right? Or simply, you know, does my boss even know I exist? And if not, how can I get them to know I exist? That is a good question too. I briefly had what I call my corporate job when I was in my early 20s and I tell people all the time that I'm somebody who is allergic to fluorescent lights. It's just the corporate thing for me, it just doesn't work with my personality, with my entrepreneurial spirit, but That doesn't mean that it doesn't have to work for you. I'm just speaking personally about myself. But there were so many interesting questions that came up when I actually worked in the corporate setting, like so many things that I saw that I thought were wrong, or maybe should have been done differently. Or I would watch coworkers, you know, try to navigate asking for a raise, um, particularly my female coworkers, you know, just how difficult it was to have a male boss and to try and make your case for uh, for a raise or a promotion or a job title increase or that corner office that I view, you know, all of those things were just so tricky. And I remember thinking, you know, that I don't really know where to go for these answers. You know, at that time, like there there wasn't podcasts and there wasn't like a rule book for these things. So today on the podcast, we've got Matt Ritter and he uh, is a lawyer turned comedian, turned executive recruiter, turned podcast host. Like he is speaking my language. He is in true millennial fashion working like eight different jobs, and, you know, really trying to figure out like what his sweet spot is while using all this expertise to always like up level himself. But he's joining us today on the podcast to help us demystify some of these questions and more. And at the end of the episode, we even flip the tables where I'm dishing answers to some of Matt's most curious questions. And Matt is the co host of the new podcast, Safe for Work. You might have already heard the promo episode that we released this week, where Matt and his co host, Liz Dolan, take all of your workplace questions and really dissect them in a fun, approachable way. And they've got celebrities, they've got, you know, regular people uh, calling in to ask all of these, you know, either really practical questions and you know some of the crazy ones like you know your cube mate smells and you don't know what to do you know they've got all of those different questions and it's just such a fun way i think to talk about these things that you know you don't talk about often a lot like money right and you know try to figure out how do you handle this stuff in the smartest way possible especially the stuff about money because you know it, at the end of the day, it's money. And you want to be able to ask for that raise um, with some conviction and some passion and also be able to get that raise. So this is all stuff that makes me happy. I know that you're going to love all of these questions and hopefully you might even spur on some questions of your own. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit I've worn it for like five days straight get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash etm I'm going to be real with you Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. So Matt, I feel like we were, you know, destined to be friends. You, like myself, have such a fascinating career journey. You're a lawyer, stand-up comedian, a writer, a producer, a recruiter, and now podcast host to the new podcast, Safe for Work. I would love to hear just a little bit about your your own career
1: journey. Yeah, do you think I have enough slashes in there? Um, I have the, (laughs) the right amount the right amount of jobs for this generation, right? Eight, eight different job titles.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right? right. You're in good company.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of them are probably BS at this point and some of them are real. I mean, at some point i probably have to lose the lawyer one year just to make room for all the new things filling its space. Uh, the, the, the long story short was I, um, I was a corporate lawyer at one of the biggest firms in New York. Uh, so I did that whole giant big law thing. And this was, uh, in the mid-2000s and just working tw- you know 24-7. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one sort of example of how hard we were working. And when we would have a deal that was closing, I lived downtown and the office was in midtown. They wouldn't let us go home to go to sleep. If you wanted to sleep, they would rent a hotel across the street and you could take an hour-long nap.
0: That sounds like a great job. What are you talking about? Why'd you ever
1: leave? Yeah, I know. Why would you ever leave, right? They ended up firing a guy because he had migraines and he uh, barricaded himself inside the hotel room and they cut him loose. And then after that, I was like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) Uh, And so I always knew I wanted to do entertainment. So I guess about seven years ago, I just on a whim hopped on a plane to L.A., not really had a clear idea of what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to do comedy and writing and stuff. So I started doing that. And then I was kind of looking for a way to make money. And I saw a hole in the marketplace. So I realized nobody was doing comedy for lawyers because it's a very obscure niche. And so I created the world's first and only lawyer comedy troupe called The Comedians at Law. And it kind of blew up. I ended up touring all over the country, law schools, bar associations, corporate stuff, and uh, ended up getting a manager. And then I had a crazy idea for a reality show, and I pitched it to her, and I sold the first thing that I ever pitched, which was a show about divorced couples stuck living together, mostly because of finances. uh, And uh, you know, it was kind of a big phenomenon at the time. And we got on the air on MSNBC, and then I ended up working on crazy shows like Duck Dynasty, and a show called Fat and Furious, and you know, I traveled all over for standup. But I also realized, you know, from money perspective, that realm is so unpredictable that I needed another income stream. And I realized that I, you know, I liked the legal world. I just didn't want to be a big law attorney. And so a friend of mine said, Oh, you know, you should be a recruiter. You're really personable. And, you know, you like helping people and it's kind of, you know, do it on your own schedule. So I found that a couple of years ago, And it's just been amazing. And then the last piece of the puzzle was I've really been a big believer in the podcast space. And so I turned my second bedroom into a podcast studio and launched this podcast about the law. And believe it or not, um, Hernan Hernan Lopez, who's the head of Wondery, an amazing guy, found me on LinkedIn and reached out to me of all places. I got a job when (laughs) they reached out to me on LinkedIn. He said, hey, I think you'd be great for this new workplace advice podcast. And would you like to come in and audition? And honestly, I went in and auditioned and I thought I'd, I didn't think it went well to the point where I was thinking about emailing him. Hey, I'm really sorry that I completely crapped out on that, you know, maybe some other show. And I'm, I'm glad I didn't do that. I didn't let my insecurity get the best of me because a day later they called me up and they said, we love you. We want you to do this. And now here I am. We just launched and we're at the top of the iTunes charts and it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, that that's just. I think it's so awesome because I love when people share stories of you know their career path, like going in so many different directions that it doesn't always make sense. But you know, in hindsight, you can see how all those skills stack up. Uh, has that really been that way for you? Where you you know you've just been sort of collecting all these different skills, and they just keep leading you you know to new opportunities.
1: It's so funny you say that collecting skills because I never thought about it you know, as it's going along, you know, you don't always think like, am I collecting skills? But it it really is because, you know, why the heck would this guy who's so successful reach out to me if I hadn't done almost every single thing that's on that resume? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I, I would have never in a million years thought, you know, five or 10 years ago, or even three years ago that I would be hosting a workplace advice show. (laughs) Right? Yeah. 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 It's crazy. But
0: I think that's what makes it exciting, right? If you can embrace all of those, you know, like U-turns and detours and, you know, turnabouts and, you know, all those things that normally, I think, frustrate us in, in you know, trying to figure out our career, but, you know, embracing those and realizing, like, They're all leading somewhere. You just may not know where.
1: Listen, I admire the person that turns 21 and knows exactly what they want to do and is just set on that path. And that's amazing. But I also admire the person who has the ability to be, you know, self-reflective and say, you know what, this is an opportunity. It may not have been the opportunity when I was 21 that I was planning on doing, but it actually does fit in with my overall sense of self and my value system and, you know, the things that are, you know, who I am.
0: Yeah. And you, you know, you speak about like, you know, this intersection I talk about a lot on this podcast that, you know, I'm always encouraging everybody to, you know, chase after the vision that you have for your life. But then there's also that reality component that you still got to pay for things, right? You still got to be, oh, my
1: God. You still got to figure
0: that piece out. And, you know, that can be like a really difficult journey. I imagine it was for you as well.
1: Oh, my God. So my wife, likes to joke. So when I left the law to do comedy, I moved out here and you know I had, I had been making a lot of money in New York. I had a really nice apartment in the West Village. And then I moved out here and I was living on the floor of a friend's apartment and it was kind of gross. And I, I didn't even have a bed. I just had this little crappy mattress and, and somebody had lent me a blanket that had feathers just bursting out of it. And I guess for some reason there might've even been like old blood stains on the floor. She said, she likes to joke that when she met me, I was living inside of a cockfighting ring.
0: There is nothing more attractive than that, right?
1: Yeah, I know. And I'm like, and she married me. So uh, kudos to her for sticking it out through those dark times. But yes, I mean, I do think, you know, a couple of lessons that I learned was, you know, because I came out and I was like, oh, I'm done with the law and I just want to be creative and I'm just throwing that part out. And that was originally what I did, you know, for the first really year or two when I was out in LA and I was really struggling because I thought I had to throw that entire part out the business the practical mind the rational thought the budgeting all that stuff you know all the all that the non-creative stuff and I was like I'm just going to be creative and let the chips fall and that's all great in theory but like you said you you know you still have to pay the rent
0: yeah right on that I absolutely agree so tell me a little bit about like safe for work as you guys were developing the podcast you know what did you really want it to be about
1: So. What we want it to be about, you know, obviously the audience, you know, kind of shapes the podcast sometimes, you know, maybe we'll hear people saying, hey, we want more of this and we'll give them more of that. But for now, the main focus is giving people actual, useful, practical nuggets. You know, that's why I like your podcast. There are a ton of podcasts out there that are, you know, these kind of broad things like make me a millionaire, let me crush everything all at once. And I think they skip all the little things that you really need in your day to day. So for us, it's like, hey, do you have a micromanaging boss? Do you have an annoying coworker that you're not able to communicate effectively with? You need some skills to go in and negotiate your salary, You know, are you having trouble reintegrating into the workforce after taking maternity? All these day-to-day things where, you know, you just aren't necessarily equipped to, you know, to go move forward on the, you know, I have this problem tomorrow I need to, to deal with immediately. That's what we're going for as opposed to, hey, let's fix every problem in your life. It's like, hey, let's get you through from Monday to Friday. Keep your sanity Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people need.
0: You know, like you said, you know, I think when you when you make it too broad of a stroke, it's it's almost unrelatable. And I think people get even more like there's more anxiety. anxieties. Like, how am I supposed to do all of that all at once?
1: You can't. You can't. And life isn't you know a sprint, right? And so I feel that there's a lot of sprinting uh, advice out there. You know. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, it's a marathon, but it's like, hey, you know, even even all like little little things, you know, they, they it's just a bunch of little things in the office that really are, you know, seem insurmountable when you look at them all at once or with your career. Right. Everything about career sometimes seems insurmountable when you go, how do I get to the top of the mountain and you're standing at the bottom instead of just be like, hey, how do I just get to that next step? Right. Like, how do I just get a little bit better at X? or why, or how do I, you know, communicate with this coworker a little bit better so that I'm not having anxiety about him coming into my workspace? How do I get him to, you know, stop engaging in, you know, political chit chat when I have stuff to do like these little things. And I think, you know, once you eliminate those things one by one, all of a sudden you see a clearer path to the top of that mountain.
0: Yeah. I I think that's, that's so great. And, you know, as we were chatting about this own, this podcast episode, you know, you were sharing with me some of the most frequently asked questions. And I love a lot of these. I'd love to dive into these. Obviously, you know, the first question that probably a lot of people ask is, how in the world can I make more money? You know, how can I ask for promotion? How can I ask for a raise? I think people are like so fear locked into, you know, if I ask for those things, I'm going to get
1: fired. What do you Mm -hmm. tell people? yeah well first of all i always tell this to to everybody in life these days this has been one of my biggest mantras if you don't ask you don't get there's very very rare it's a very rare person that gets all these big promotions and and more money if they don't ask so first i always say flip it you know flip it and go well if i don't ask then i'm definitely stuck right so if you look at it from that perspective you have to ask you have to get these things you you have to communicate these things because nobody else is going to do it for you, right? Yeah. So that's just just like if you frame it that way, we're starting from a point of this is what I have to do. This is imperative in my career. This isn't a this isn't a bonus thing w- that would be nice to be able to ask for a raise. This is something that I need in my in my tool belt in my skill set. I need to be able to effectively communicate what I've done, right? But I also think you know one of the things that people go into their boss's office, they always go you know, me, 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 you know, woe is me. Yes. It's not fair. Everybody else has this. Everybody else has that. And I don't think that's an effective way of getting what you want. You know, I think an effective way of getting it, what you want is, you know, showing that this is a win, you know, for the company. Right. And, and, and I, you know, for that, it's like, Hey, arm yourself with, with the stats. Like, Hey, did you lead a new project that had you know X amount of revenue? Or did you train a bunch of people? Has your role changed in some meaningful way? have some metrics with you. You know, it's not just, "Hey, I've been there for a year, so well, yeah. if you haven't stepped up in any way, why should they give you more money?"
0: Yeah, I love that. I because I think the tendency is to be like, "Well, I I deserve this. I, you know, I I should have this this raise." And, you know, absolutely I tell everybody myself, like if you can connect it just like you said to something that you've done that has helped the company move forward in some way, shape or form, you know, you have a lot more to stand on.
1: Yeah. And the flip, look, I mean, I think there's a lot of variables in this thing, right? So you need to know where your company's at, right? Because I've had family members who, you know, ask for raises, but there was a hiring freeze, but they still made their case. And I was proud of them for making their case anyway. But, you know, you do know there's a certain time and place where it's like, maybe I shouldn't be, you know, walking (laughs) in if they just had a round of layoffs and asking for more money, right? Probably not a a good idea. Right, like be a little cognizant of the of the bigger picture, but the you know at the same time you know it's not about other people making X, Y, or Z. It's like, hey, here's my value. Also, what is your leverage? Or, you know, are you are you a, uh, you know are you a high performer? Are there people out there poaching? You know, are there are you getting calls from recruiters every day? Do you want to go out there and get a, an offer in hand to have yourself armed with a little bit of leverage to get paid more? And is getting paid more your number one priority? You know? Yeah. That's true. Because there's also other, well, there's also other ways to, you know, pathet, you know, theoretically get paid more, right? One of them is uh, working less for the same amount means you're getting paid more, right?
0: Yes. Or
1: uh, benefits. A lot of people don't think of benefits as having value, but a lot of, you know, benefits are, that's money. You know, if I get a free parking every month for $200, that's real money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. and I And, I and, think... and
1: so maybe, right. So maybe some of those things are gives that they're more inclined to give that equal, dollar
0: value. Yeah, you're right on, you know, all of those things have have value. And I think we were like, we're in a society where we think it's just about, you know, the paycheck. But if you start adding up all those things, I mean, even thinking about health benefits these days, you know, um, I've been self employed for most of my career. So, you know, I know the cost of what that costs to actually pay, Mm -hmm. you know, medical. So if like, they cover you and your spouse, or, you know, you have just a really great plan. I mean, that's actually worth money in your pocket.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. Huge money. And, and and one other thing I'll say, you know, maybe, you know, common mistakes in that realm is the timing re asking. A lot of people think it's when you have your review, and it may be, but be cognizant of when your company budgets for the year, right? If it's an end of the year review, right, or a January 15 review, and that's when you're planning on asking for more money this year, it's, it might be too late.
0: That's a great tip. Yeah, absolutely.
1: For sure. So, so it might not always be tied to, hey, I'm getting my review. I just got a good review. now is my time. You may miss the boat by 11 months.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what do you say to, you know, a lot of millennials, of course, you know, the stats of changing jobs frequently. And there's always that question of, like, how do you evaluate when you've got another job offer? You're trying to figure out, you know, whether you negotiate for more money at your current job or you take the new job offer. How in the world do you begin to, like, break that apart?
1: Okay. So I get this a lot as a recruiter because what happens is somebody will go out, get an offer, and then go back to their company. And the company, if they like them, usually wants to counter. You know, they want to keep their good employees. The problem is, I always say if you have made up your mind to go out and leave your company, and it's not just because you're trying to get more money, then there are fundamental issues there that you are leaving for. And your old company coming back to you with a little bit more money may not necessarily change any of those fundamental things. So I think it's a mistake to go, Hey, you know what? They gave me more money. So I'm going to stay. If that was not the fundamental reason you were looking to leave.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, Absolutely. because
1: I think a lot of people, you know, when they're evaluating, you know, obviously the grass is always greener, uh, when there's more money, but if it is really only the money, right. If it's just, Oh, I want a little more money, but I like everything about this company. If they come up great. But you know, if you were looking to leave, then there's probably a lot of fundamental things that they are not addressing. And if they wait till you already are now expressing a desire to leave, then they're not doing a good job communicating and, you know, keeping their employees satisfied.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely for sure. Huh. Very interesting.
1: That's such a great way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, and I tell companies too, you know, you need to have more frequent reviews. You need to have more frequent communication because, why wait till an employee is now already interviewing already has a job lined up that pays more, and now you're just gonna try and come back at them with more money to solve the problem that's not maybe not necessarily the problem that they were leaving for
0: right exactly, exactly, yeah, I think that's great, you know com- communication helps with a lot of things, right
1: <laughs> yeah, over yeah, I mean I think i I agree I mean, I think that's the biggest problem we have in the workplace, you know employees all feel like they can't say. Any of these things, and a lot of that is on the workplace for not, you know, creating an atmosphere where people feel like they can lodge not what I call complaints, but you know their their feelings about where they stand with the company and their desires and their goals.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: You yeah. know, because if they're all, you know it's it's if they're aligned and the company isn't you know showing you that your that your values and goals are aligned, then people go and they and they jump, and then the company's surprised. You know, they go, I thought everything was happy. And it's like, well, when did you ask me? Right. You never even talked to me in
0: the last year.
1: Right. Yeah. You didn't talk to me since my review last January. But, you know, look, in terms of how to evaluate, I, I think there's, there's a lot of variables on, Hey, how do I evaluate? But I think, you know, millennials, we, we want a company that aligns with our values and we want to feel like we are, um, you know, part of the, uh, you know, we want to feel like, uh, we are getting, uh, credit for, for the things that we do. And we want to feel like, Hey, we are getting praise on, on our, on our work. I think that's a sort of generalization of, of the millennial generation. But I, I think there's also, you know, the great thing is, is job hopping is not frowned upon like it was 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely for sure. You know, and you, you mentioned, you know, LinkedIn and, you know, I have a lot of, uh, friends who had like really high jobs at companies got laid off and then it's taken them you know, literally forever to find a new job. And they're starting to think, well, maybe I'll just take a, you know, really subpar job at a much lower income just to get a job. You know, how how do you position yourself on, you know, sites like LinkedIn, where there's a lot of recruiters that are on there? Are there any tips on how to, you know, like make yourself stand out?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, we're looking at, uh, searching for jobs as, Hey, you know, I have a resume and I just worked at X for this amount of months and I worked at X for that amount of months. But I I think, you know, it's, we're getting into a more skills-based era where, Hey, you know, maybe you're not working at, X job, but you're taking a course where you now are a coder, you know, or maybe you've learned about crypto and you're writing Medium articles and now you are the top uh, writer on crypto in, you know, on Medium. I think that has a value and shows, hey, I am somebody in this, you know, in this space, you know, whatever the industry is. I think there are other non at your, you know, employer ways to put some of that stuff into your profile, right? Because LinkedIn has the ability of, it's not necessarily just a resume, right? You have your resume, but you also have, hey, I am an expert at this, right? I'm a leader in the thought, you know, I'm a thought leader in this space. So I think there's a lot of ways to do that. In terms of the question of whether I should, you know, take a lower paying, you know, what I would call gap job to get yourself back on your feet versus staying unemployed, I think for your mental health, it's good to work. We all need to feel productive. But two, I get a lot of millennials not just millennials, everybody that I talk to, if they can't get their dream job now, you know, they just want to wait. A lot of people want to wait and they don't want to take a job that's not that dream job. And I always say, hey, if it's going to get you in that direction in some way, you can't always go from A to C right now. A lot of people that I talk to with only two years experience already want to go to the dream company. I'm like, you need an intermediate step probably. Let's just be realistic about how to get there. And a lot of times people don't want to take a job that doesn't check off all the buckets, but may help them to position them for that dream job.
0: Yeah, that's such a good word. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that that that's so true. And even, you know, we're in such a place now with millennials having side hustles. How do you evaluate, you know, when to leave a job for a g- dream job versus, you know, you're just kind of keeping this as a side hustle and extra cash.
1: Such a hard question because I'm the king of the side hustle, right? <laughs> right there with you. And and, and I never know when, honestly, it's a question I grapple with. You know, is this a side hustle or is this my next business venture, right? For me, podcasting has now gone from a side hustle to now I'm getting paid, uh, you know, to do this very successfully. And that was the market telling me it was time, right? Because I got mm-hmm. hired for it. Um, so I think there's ways to test the market a little bit. You know, you can always float your hobby, or depending on what your side hustle is, uh, without having you know to set up and and invest a ton of capital. But I think you know, for me, right, like podcast space, I invested a few thousand into turning my office into a professional podcast space, because that's all it took for the barrier of entry for that specific thing. Right. Yeah. So in a lot of these areas where, you know, we're side hustling, right? Like, let's say you have a, a side hustle at teaching something, I don't know, you know, meditation or whatever, instead of buying a studio, right, you could probably rent space at a studio and teach classes weekly and see what kind of feedback you get. Right. If your classes are filling up, you expand it to two days a week, three days. And I think then you're kind of seeing the market telling you, Hey, this is something that I could, is a viable business.
0: Right. So you're testing it before you're diving deep into it.
1: Right. But the flip side is you better be testing it. You better not, um, jump having not really at least tested. Like, you know, a lot of people I get in the entertainment world, everybody's like, Oh, I want to be a writer. I want to quit my job to be a writer." Like, well, have you written many, many, many scripts already? Like you should already have written many, many scripts. You should have already gotten feedback, you know, from contest or whatever saying, hey, you're a finalist in this. Like, hey, are you getting good at this thing before it's time to make that decision? I think a lot of people are like waiting to make the jump and then they'll get good at that thing. Like the side hustle is the time to get really good at it.
0: Right, exactly. And and to figure out whether it's like legitimately – you know, provides income for you.
1: And by the way, there's nothing wrong with a side hustle. That's, I think the other part is there's so much, um, out there about how your side hustle has to be, or is going to be this million dollar dream. It doesn't have to be for everybody. I know a lot of people that are professionals and work, you know, nine to five or nine to seven and their side hustle is, you know, like I said, medium articles or video things and, and maybe they make a little money on it, but it's not about the money for them. And that's okay too. I think a lot of people have to just give themselves the freedom to define success as this is rewarding and I'm, you know, I have a small following and they really enjoy it and I enjoy connecting with that small group and maybe I make a little money on it and that's great and I throw that into my, you know, my savings and that's, and that's, and that's happiness for me. That, that can, that's okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a great point. You know, yeah, you don't have to make millions, but it could be enough money that it makes like such a big difference just in your monthly budget.
1: Yeah. I mean, I read scripts I look still now, right. I'm, I would say I'm a pretty successful, um, you know, I've been pretty successful in the entertainment realm. I still read scripts, um, as a side hustle, just as a money saving venture, uh, just that I throw towards my, my savings every year. That's like money that I don't think about.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so great. And it's probably something that you actually enjoy too.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, that's the thing too. It's like when your side hustle lines up with your enjoyment, if you're not making it you know, into a lucrative business, then it better be at least somewhat enjoyable. Right.
0: I hope so. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, selling, you know, selling juices out of the trunk of your car, it can be daunting as yeah. a side hustle. And then it's like such a grind that you're like, Oh my God, I'm putting so much time and energy into this. You know, why isn't this my full-time job? But if you don't love it, don't make it your full-time job.
0: Yeah. I don't think I'd be very good at selling juices out of my car. <laughs> I'd probably drink <laughs> them all or something absurd like right.
1: that. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't get high on your own supply.
0: Exactly. Well, I thought it would be fun uh, to maybe flip the switch a little bit. Um, I know that you've mentioned that you're, you're pretty bad with money. Um,
1: Uh and I thought,
0: you know, maybe it'd be fun just to flip the switch a little bit and see if you had any questions for me.
1: Oh my God. I have so many. Okay. Ready? So I I told you offline, I guess I'm going to tell all your listeners too. So, you know, I've, I've had years where I've made a lot of money and years where I made uh, no money. And somehow it seems like my spending correlates like one-to-one with my earnings. So, you know, I guess that's my first question. How do you mentally switch off the idea that like, hey, now I'm making more money, I spend as much, you know? Like, it's like, if I'm only making a hundred bucks, I'm spending 90, but if I'm making a hundred thousand, I'm spending 90,000, how do I fix that?
0: Yeah, that's and that's a common thing. I like to call it the lifestyle creep, you know. So we make oh, more I like that you know? term,
1: lifestyle creep. Yeah, ah. we,
0: we just start creeping up and up and up and we're you know, we're looking at like, wait a minute, I should be I'm making a lot of money, you know, but I'm still paycheck to paycheck, which is yes. you know what happens for a lot of people. And Shame you know, me. it's pretty simplistic and yet hard you know it's really like figuring out what that baseline number is. so what is that number that you need to just pay all your bills, you know maybe go out to eat a couple times a month or whatever it is for for you and your wife you know but mm-hmm. what is that like baseline number that you need and so it starts with there it starts with knowing what that number is you know and if that number is really high, Then it's looking at that and going, okay, well, are there any ways that we could still do the same stuff we'd like to do, but maybe for less money? You know, Mm -hmm. do we, you know, trade in the uh, cable bill for you know some sort of Hulu TV package, or do we, you know, are there ways that we can do things that we like to do, but just maybe not spend as much? So we're, you know, the goal, of course, is to try and get that baseline number. Um, you know, as low as you can go without having to give up everything that you like, like to do. Um, right. Because I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to give
1: no. up his fancy coffee every day, you know? And
0: you shouldn't have to, you know? I mean, it's not like that. I think people have thought, like traditionally from personal finance advice, that, you know, you're either boring and do nothing and you save a lot of money or, mm-hmm. or you're poor. You know, you're spending all the money you make. And it doesn't have to be that. You know, it's all about balance. And I think there are some times where you're just going to spend more money.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for me, my other issue, I guess, was so last year I had a huge I took a huge hit because I had a um, bachelor party and a wedding and a honeymoon, you know, <laughs> that's like, expensive. It, I mean, gigantically. Exp- and, and we, you know, like I did it crazy because that's just like I said, I have I have lifestyle creep. So I wanted this to be a big year. So how do I you know, like when you have a, basically when your income is flat, right. But then you have like a big year where you spend a lot of money, you know, how do you kind of like mentally, you know, what are some tricks to be like, okay, that, you know, now I should have that huge amount. Like, I feel like I should have a huge amount of savings this year because I don't have those this year. So how do I like trick myself into making that happen?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, you is such a great point you make there. I tell people all the time that such a huge portion of you know sort of money success if you will is the mindset piece behind it you know of telling yourself like okay so we did that last year and that was something that was like really important to you and you spent that money great you know but this year is a new year and you've got new you know work opportunities you've got new things on the horizon and you know you're not going to have to spend that much money and you know this year you're going to maybe set different goals with you and your wife for your money so that you have, you know, kind of a roadmap for what you want that cash to, where you want that cash to go. Cause you know, if you just, if you just leave it in the bank account, it's going to go down the drain pipe.
1: You yes. know, it just That's goes what away been doing so far. So far we're in March and it's just going down. There.
0: Yeah. So it's about like really getting intentional about like, what are those goals? What are those things that you want to achieve? And like, just like what you do for people, you know, breaking them down into like little steps towards that goal so that, mm-hmm. you know, every month or every week or whatever it is th- where you feel comfortable, you know, you're, you're putting, you know, your hundred bucks here or your thousand dollars here, or you're paying off a little bit on this card or whatever it may be, you know, but you're, you have the roadmap for where you're going. Doesn't mean you're not going to, you know, take a detour, but you know, at least you have a, a plan so that hopefully that money, you know, doesn't go down the drain pipe.
1: <laughs> I think I'm just going to give you access to my account and then lock myself out.
0: That works. That works you know, we, we, we can make it work that way. <laughs> uh. well, awesome. Matt. It has been so fun talking to you. Uh, tell everybody about, you know, where they can find safer work podcast and how they can get uh, subscribed. So, you know, they can get answers to all these awesome yeah. questions.
1: Yeah. So, so obviously uh, Safe safer work is on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. But the cool thing is you can actually call into the show if you have a problem, like if you have an annoying coworker who is sitting right next to you, breathing down your neck, like call us, right? Go, go to the, go to the bathroom and call us from the bathroom or, you know, just go outside and call us from the Starbucks. Or if you have a micromanaging boss, you know, like call us and we'll help you. We'll, we'll, we'll get you so that, you know, you can just fix these little things that are going to make your workplace so much better. Um, and so the, I think the call-in number is, is, is listed on the site. So it's safe for work. And uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. We had our first uh, guest was uh, Rain Wilson from The Office, Dwight Schrute. Right and, on. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, he knows a lot about annoying coworkers because he played the most annoying one. So he had some some really funny uh, insights on the workplace. But we're gonna have a lot of really awesome guests like that, and we're gonna have callers, and we're gonna play fun little games uh, where we kind of debate generational stuff in the workplace too. So I'm really excited about it.
0: So I'm going to be on a future episode of Safe for Work, so I will be sure and let you know when that goes live, and hopefully I'll be tackling some of those hard money questions of, well, how much money should you ask for? That's just a never an easy question to answer. As always, if you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, and be sure to head over to the link in the show notes to leave us a five-star review. <laughs>